0: Is a valuable commodity. Do me a favor. Uh, everyone, take out your uh, sermon notes on the third page of the bulletin and go ahead and answer this question What are three things that you spend the most time on? Go ahead and write them down. Everyone write something down? I forgot a pen at the first service, so I just had to stand up here awkwardly, but I remember this time, so we're good. So, I wrote down three things. I wrote down faith, I wrote down fiance, her name's Emily, she's awesome, and I wrote down work. What are some of the things that you all wrote down? Go, yell them out. Cleaning. I spent a lot of time cleaning. What else? Cooking. Anybody sleep last night? Uh, I have one of those this morning. Uh, We spend a lot, we spend our time doing a lot of different things. And I could have written down plenty more things as well. Being that we are less than a week away from the NFL season opener, I easily could have put down the best football team in the entire country, the Green Bay Packers. I got some claps. Let's go. Now, I win because if you look, we have green and gold up front, too. So uh, it's a good time. It's a great time. But, yeah. So um, we have some nice rivalry in the office as well. Uh, Joe Florida is a Vikings fan. We don't like those. We actually have some Bears fans. I don't know if they are around. But... Oh, we got some. Okay. Okay. But, yes, for the past 20-something years of my life, I have dedicated intentional time during the fall and winter to watch a two to three hour football game that ultimately really doesn't have very big impact on my life. But I do enjoy it all the same. I also definitely could have written down my favorite fast food chain, Culver's. In case you're getting the impression I'm from Wisconsin, in case you couldn't tell. (laughs) Not gonna lie, their food to me is second to none as far as fast food is concerned. The burgers there have been voted the best in the country for their price points. The cheese curds are amazing. And the custard, fantastic. The amount of time that I spend just in their drive through alone is probably a significant number when you think about it. Now, here's why I tell you this, why I tell you these stories. What you and I spend our time doing tells a story, what you spend your time on demonstrates what you love. So what do you love? Another thing I really enjoy doing is reading, and I must confess, and most people that know me well will tell me this, James, you have too many books. And if you go and wander back by my office, you will probably also tell me, James, you have too many books. But I love books. I love reading. Now, if you were to pick up a book and try to understand what it's about, what might you do to try to figure out what the contents of the book are? What I'll do is I will open up the first page and take a look at the table of contents. The brief titles of each section give me a good indication of what this book is all about. The chapters tell me what the author loves. In the same way, we can look at our life as a story with what we love as the chapters. Maybe you have a chapter on family, a chapter on work, a chapter on sleep, a chapter on cleaning, a chapter on cooking. The different chapters of your life demonstrate to those around you what your life is all about, what you spend your time on demonstrates what you love in a very real sense you are what you love now you might be sitting there and thinking about what you spend your time doing and that might not be the most enjoyable activity to you i imagine that there are days that instead of being something to love work is likely to give you reasons to hate it My cheeriest days, and I love my job, but my cheeriest days quickly fade away when I walk into the office and open up my email chain and get to work on that. Maybe you're still a student and school is something you spend a lot of time on and it can feel like a drag rather than a joy. Going a little deeper, maybe your family suffers from brokenness and conflict. And the tension at home feels like the furthest thing from love. Maybe you're looking at the chapters of your life right now and it just seems like story after story of suffering, broken people. Pages you wish you could forget, that you pray no one else finds out about. Ones you wish you could tear out of your book forever. But God knows a thing or two about stories like these. And I gotta say, he's written a pretty compelling love story. If you could summarize the Bible in one sentence, it is nothing more than the story of God interacting with his creation. It's about different people encountering God at work in the world. If you look at all the religions of the world, their sacred writings are typically just a bunch of stories. And story after story, page after page, chapter after chapter, the Bible's theme is clear. God loves his world, his creation, and everyone in it. From the first chapter, he invested time into his creatures. Adam and Eve, our original ancestors, and even after they fell away, God spent time after time, person after person, generation after generation, story after story, showing how much he loves his people. God spends his time to save you. And he doesn't spend his time with perfect people either. If you look throughout the Bible, you'd be surprised at the reputations of the people that God chooses to associate with. Noah was a drunk. Abraham had affairs. Moses had a speech impediments. Elijah was depressed. Peter denied Jesus three times. And yet, despite their problems, their sufferings, God still spent time with them. And in due time, he sent his son Jesus to save our broken fallen world to dedicate his whole lifetime to saving you. John 3.16 says that, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loves the world. God loves people. God loves you so much that he sent his own Son to save you despite every page of your story. God loves you despite every chapter of your life. He takes yours and my broken, flawed stories and gives us a new chapter to orient our lives around. And this is why Sundays are so important. Good Sundays inspire great lifetimes. Now, I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor, and it's what I enjoy doing, but Sundays are the most important chapter of your lives. This Sunday chapter does three key things. First, Sundays characterize us. Now, here's an easy mindset to fall into. We can take a look at our Bibles, open it up, page through them, and realize that nothing else has been written in the past 2,000 years. The ink is dry. It can be hard to see God at work in the world today. But Sundays make us characters in the story of God interacting with his creation. He does this through his word and his sacraments. The writer of the Hebrews says that, The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The loving story of God's forgiveness is still active in you and in me. Sundays make us characters in this story, but they also give us character. Sundays teach us the proper way to live in the world today, living in a distinct way from the rest of it. The chapter titles of your and my life story may look quite different from others around us because our character is different. We are taught that there is right and wrong. We go to out of our way to help others around us. We gather together and worship. We strive to live as Christ our Savior did in the stories that we have about him. Now, speaking of stories, the second way that Sundays inspire great lifetimes is that Sunday re-stories us. As you get used to my preaching over time, you'll learn I love playing words, so I'm sorry, but bear with me. But there is something to be said about hearing these old stories. Many of them have the same problems, the same faults, the same broken chapters that we suffer with still today. Despite their problems, despite their sufferings, God still worked them for good. God restored them in the stories of their lives. Noah was a drunk, yet God used him to save the world from a flood. Abraham had affairs, yet... God used him to father a great nation, and Jesus is his direct descendant. Moses had a speech impediment, yet God used him as the mouthpiece to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at that time. Elijah was depressed, yet he was among the greatest of the Lord's prophets, even raising a child from the dead. Peter denied Jesus, yet Jesus restored him to be one of the most important leaders of the early Christian church. Jesus restored him. Jesus restored all of these people, despite their stories, despite their broken chapters. How much more will he do with you and me? Hearing these stories, week in and week out, transforms our hearts and our minds and teaches us that this restoration Happens to us as well. And this brings us to the third way that Sundays inspire great lifetimes. Sundays teach us that the gospel is true. It's what this is all about. Being characterized in God's story and re-storied from hearing the faithfulness of God throughout all generations. The gospel becomes more and more clear. The more that you come to church on Sunday, the more you will believe that the gospel is true. After all, you are what you love. You are what you dedicate your time and your life to. But what if you don't feel like you believe it? I'd urge you to come all the more. The more that you develop the habit of worshiping God and dedicating time to him, the more likely you are to believe it. Dedicate a chapter of your life to him, and the gospel will continue to take hold on your life. And what is that gospel? I'm using that word a lot. It is the endless story of eternal life. Now, to help illustrate this, I brought along an object lesson for us here today. I like object lessons too, so bear with me. I call this the eternity rope. If you look, um, this is a very long rope. um, uh, One of the guys here, his name's Tom. He was kind enough to buy this for me. It's a good 100 feet long, but uh, very long rope. And if you look, I duct taped up one end of it. Think of this small section, this small duct tape section, as the entirety of your life. Every story, every chapter, your birth, Your baptism, how much you love or despise the Green Bay Packers. Every chapter of your life encapsulated into this small section. Every broken story, every bad story is in here too. And yet, God chooses to forgive you and restore you of all the brokenness and gift you with eternal time. Time unending. Eternal life in his coming kingdom. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, you and I will too. And we will live forever when Christ comes again in his coming kingdom. I don't know what stories you all are dealing with. I don't know what baggage that you bring today. But God forgives you. He restores you. And gives you the promised gift of eternal life. How much more time should we spend with Jesus in our lives today? Because this time is short that we have. And it is an important commodity. Paul writes a little bit on this in his letter to the Romans. I consider that the sufferings of this present time, of this short time, time are worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. And if I'm being honest, this rope is not long enough to show eternity properly. It wouldn't be long enough if it stretched all the way out to the parking lot, all the way to downtown Chicago, all the way around the world. That is the extent of the promised glory, the great endless story that God promises to each and to every one of you. So bring your broken chapters, your broken stories. Jesus stands ready to restore you and to gift you with the promise of eternal life in his coming kingdom. So get out, go out, and live like characters in his story, striving to honor him and to do good for one another. Orient your lifetime around what he loves. Time is an important commodity. Let's thank God for all the time he's gifted us. Amen. We stand and we can